Good evening. Welcome to West Meadows. We're excited you're here with us for Christmas Eve. A couple of things for uh, you to note. As you came in the door, you probably saw candles. Uh, there's a connect box there as well in case you need to uh, drop off offering or a prayer request or something. Also, there are coloring sheets for kids. So if you need your kids some to color, uh, grab those as well. Also, if uh, you are new to our building and you don't know where things are, our washrooms are located out the doors and down the hall. From our family to yours, we wish you a Merry Christmas, and we want to uh, have a great time tonight. Would you stand and join us in song? Christmas, come join me inside. Come listen to music and sit by the fire. When you woke up this morning, when you got into the car, God was eagerly waiting, his smile anticipating the joy that you bring when you come home to him. He looks at you every day and sees his very best. He loves you unconditionally, irrevocably, and without rest. When he created this world, his plan was all thought through. Before he formed you in the womb, he knew all about you. There's no need to pretend this Christmas. Here at West Meadows, salvation is with us. As we sing, come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free, we echo God's own invitation to us that we would come and see that he is the joy of every longing heart. So welcome home this Christmas. Welcome home to open arms. Born to set 
Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Thank you. Please be seated. You know, the timing of Mary and Joseph's trip to Bethlehem was certainly not ideal. Whether they're walking or if they're riding on a donkey, a four-day, 100-kilometer trek through the desert while you're nine months pregnant certainly does not make for a happy trip for them to be on. But in light of all that, it was a homecoming of sorts. You see, in the passage we just read, Luke tells us that, that Joseph was from Bethlehem, which is an incredibly important city. It's a city where King David was born. It's a city where the prophets from long ago had said that one day the Messiah would be born. Now, maybe Joseph lived there as a child. We, we really don't know for sure because we aren't introduced to Joseph until we find him as an adult living in Nazareth. But to say that you are from Bethlehem could be more of a, perhaps a reference to an ancestral connection, sort of an ancestral home. Perhaps like some people who are here who, who are born and raised in Canada, yet you have a parent or a grandparent that is from another country. But whether you are living in a place or have an ancestral connection to a place, when you are from somewhere, it's common to feel a longing to return. It's common to feel this desire for a, a homecoming, to, to come home, if you will, at some point in your life. And so Joseph is coming home. And he's coming home with his wife Mary and likely the child who would be born while they were on the trip. Now it's possible they still had relatives who were living in the area of Bethlehem. But it seems for whatever reason that nobody had room for them once they got there. This could be perhaps because of the census that was called that, that meant that people from the far reaches of the world had to come home to Bethlehem if that was where they were from. It could also be perhaps because of the nature of Mary's pregnancy, that there were questions around that. And it's possible Joseph's family was just shunning them and had no room for them. You know, but whatever the reason was, when they arrive home, there is no place for them to call home. And so they settle for what's available. They find themselves settling in a stable where other people kept their animals. Now Christmas time is a season that is often defined by homecomings. Perhaps you experienced one yourself this very week. If you're a person who works out of town or travels for work, you're home for a few days. If you're a young adult who was away at university and you've come home for Christmas break, you come back to mom and dad's house full of energy and with tons and tons of probably laundry that you brought with you. If you turn on your TV this time of year, you see these these highlights of, of military personnel coming home to, to excited husbands and wives and kids and, and the dogs are ecstatic as well as they come back home as people embrace and they cry and they feel together again for the first time in a long time. Or perhaps a while ago you moved away from Edmonton and you planted new roots and, and you've come back for Christmas to visit old ones. But in every single case, when you come home, you desire to feel at home. There's a proverb that says home is where the heart is. And what that means is that the place you call home will be that place where you always have a deep feeling, a, a deep connection. For Mary and Joseph, on that first Christmas night, even in a dark, smelly stable, that place became their home. And in that place, Mary gave birth to a son who they named Jesus as they've been instructed to do. Now, I don't know how you define home this Christmas season, but here in this church, whether you have been here for a long time, if you are returning after a long time, or if this is your first time, we welcome you here. We hope you will feel at home here, as together this Christmas Eve, we join together to celebrate Jesus coming home to us.
Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on peace to whom all favor is rests. The very first Christmas began with a call to come home. When Mary gave birth in a place not her own, away in a manger, no crib for his bed, Christ was born where animals fed. Out the fields, the first to be invited, were the outcasts and homeless, the shepherds who sighted angels singing glory to the king. The sh shepherds left their work in a hurry to visit a city 
so incredibly busy that crowds filled the street all in a flurry. They found their king as the angels had said, a savior in a manger, no crib for his bed. This was a king they could relate to, a baby wrapped in cloth, tired parents nearby, a baby dependent who slept, ate, and cried. Would you stand and sing with us again?
they welcome a new member to their young family, a son whom they named Jesus. So you got Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. You add a couple of shepherds. You add some wise men. You've got the makings of a classic nativity scene. Now, I'm sure we've all seen these nativity scenes before. They're, they're very common around churches this time of year. Perhaps at your home on the mantle, you've, you've displayed a nativity scene. If you go to Costco in July, you'll see a nativity scene out already. We've all seen these things. But have you ever stopped? Have you ever stopped and looked and thought about just how odd of a gathering that really was. Now, I know, I know technically wise men weren't on the scene yet, but bear with me for a second. So we've got Mary and Joseph, this couple, this young newlywed couple who are now instantly new parents. Everything is new. And a lot of what is new was not necessarily chosen by them, but being done to them and for them. But through it all, they remain trusting. They remain faithful to walk according to God's plan. We have, we have angels, these heavenly messengers who herald God's glory and his will for all people. And they're sent to proclaim the announcement of Jesus' birth to the whole world. We've got shepherds 
who really are just, just average Joes watching and caring and protecting the sheep that have been placed under their care. And these guys, these average Joes, are divinely given VIP access, front row tickets to the birth of the Savior. We've got wise men, these men of wealth and esteem from a far-off distant land who follow the call of a beckoning star and embark upon a long, expensive, difficult journey to a somewhat unknown destination. So from near, from far, and from heavenly, this group is brought together, and yet somehow they all fit together. Somehow they all belong together. Somehow it feels like home for these people. And, and yet, perhaps it shouldn't. Because there are people that we feel at home with. There's, there's people that we know and people we have sort of an affinity with that we feel at home with. For example, your family. You, you share a last name. You, you share a bloodline. Your friends where you've chosen to share life events with them. People you go to work with, you go to school with, you see them every day. These types of people, when you come together, you feel this relational homecoming. But looking at the nativity, what is the connection that brings them all together? Well, I'd like to suggest to you that the basis for this connection, the basis for this relationship is found in the words of the angels that they said to the shepherd earlier that night. When they said, I bring to you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to all of you. A Savior has been born to all of you, and he is the Messiah. He is the Lord. You see, at the center of their message and at the center of the nativity, we find Jesus. Without whom, none of these people around the nativity would associate with each other. None of whom would even acknowledge each other if they passed each other on the street. But around the manger, encircling Jesus, they become a community. They become a community. And I think this is a miniature example of the church that Jesus desires for us to experience. An example of what he wants us to be as the church. So that no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what you have done, if you come seeking Jesus, you will not only find him, but you will also find a community of people who have been knit together by him. And there's something special about that. There's something even sacred and holy about that that can leave a deep impression and mark upon a person's life. And we see this in the shepherds. You see, we're told that after the shepherds came and saw Jesus and confirmed everything that the angels had said, that they then went out through all, all Bethlehem and throughout all surrounding area to spread the word concerning the child and everything that they had been told about him. And everyone who heard what they said were amazed at what had happened. You see, Jesus' birth is good news for all people. But it is also a call to all people. A call to be at home in relationship with Jesus. And in community with his people. Because on that holy night, the angels called together all people. They called together the rich and the poor. They called together the young and the old, the free and the slave. They called everyone together to come home. To come home to Jesus, the one who brings joy for all people.
the angels came and sang. The shepherds shared the news. The wise men came and gave their gifts. But what of me and you? Shall we fall on our knees? Will we raise sweet hymns of joy? What makes this holy night holy when we go back to our everyday noise? Long we lay in sin until Jesus made himself known. Now with his dear birth we share in the great thrill of hope. O holy night, when God showed us not his might, but his tender, self-sacrificing gentleness. He loves us so much he became one of us. O holy night, O night divine, when the word of the Lord became mine. Will you join the angel chorus? Will you share a spiritual moment? Let's open our hearts for Christ to come home. Let him come home for Christmas. Will you come home this Christmas? Come home.
Throughout the centuries, lights have been used as a means of guidance. From the earliest times, sailors plotted their courses by the stars, the light of stars. They built lighthouses to protect people from impending danger. Uh, even driving home tonight, you're going to have traffic lights that, that light the busy streets. And if you look far enough in the distance, you'll see lines of lights that, that trace the way home. And at Christmas time, of course, we recall the wise men who followed the light of a star to find Jesus. In so many areas of our lives, whether we're talking about, about marriage, about parenting, a new job, a new school, or, or what does the future hold for me, it is absolutely invaluable to have someone or something to, to guide us or, or to, to light our way. Now, as we unfortunately blow out our lights, Feel free to take a seat as well. You see that without these lights, we can find ourselves in more of a disorientating darkness. And, and practically speaking, this can be very dangerous. Now, I know some of us have probably walked into a darkened room and, and stubbed our toes or, or tripped over a piece of furniture or worse yet, stepped on a piece of Lego, which is the worst thing you can do in a darkened room. Now, you could use a flashlight. You could light a candle. You, you could just turn the light on on your phone to, to solve your problem and illuminate the area immediately in front of you. But, but there is a big difference between casting light a few feet in front of you and being guided. Those are two very different things. But then spiritually speaking as well, it is dangerous. You see, because walking in this world on our own can be like walking in darkness. In one sense, uh, people walk in a sense of searching, longing for some sort of guidance, and they use words like purpose and, and vision to refer to their lives. But in another sense as well, Jesus compared people's evil deeds, the things that we do that are wrong towards one another and towards him. He referred to these things as darkness as well. And in the darkness of one particular night, a man named Nicodemus came to Jesus. 
wanting to, to get a fuller understanding, to, to be a kind of a deeper idea, if you will, of what Jesus' message was. To understand what he was trying to do and what he was talking about. And in the course of their conversation, Jesus explained that sometimes people actually prefer the darkness. Sometimes people know they're in darkness, but they want to walk in the darkness because there's parts of them that they feel guilty about. There's parts of them that they're embarrassed of. There's, there's aspects of their lives that they feel are shameful. And the conclusion they've drawn, the expectation that they have is that if they allow people to see those things, if they allow a light to come on to that area of their lives and people can see them, and worse yet, if God can see them, that the end result, the verdict, would be condemnation. But in this story, we're told that, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life because God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And you see, this is the verdict. The verdict is not condemnation. The verdict is this, that light has come into the world and whoever lives by the truth comes to the light. Because you see, Jesus is that light. And Jesus is the light of the world which can illuminate those dark places that sometimes we want to hide away. Not for the purpose of condemnation, as he said, for the purpose of salvation. So that we can deal with the darkness, that we can experience forgiveness, that we can experience freedom. Not just something that illuminates the path a few feet in front of you, but a light that guides you along the path and ultimately leads you home to the Father. Leads us home to the Father. A spiritual relationship, a spiritual homecoming, if you will. Now, if you've never had this light turned on in your life, or perhaps you did have it at one point, but the light has gone out, or maybe you're sitting here and you simply desire to sit in the glow of that light once more. This Christmas, when you look at a candle, when you look at a twinkling colored light, when you perhaps go home and light a fire and see the light of the flames of that fire coming off to fill the room, let that light be a reminder to you. Let every light you see be a reminder of Jesus who has come to be the light of the world for the purpose that he can guide you along the path of your life to lead you home to God. You see, that is the good news that is for all people. That is the good news, that is the the. the purpose, the basis of this season, of this season of hope and love and peace and joy. It, it's not about a hope that Santa got our letter, as, as awesome as the gifts are, but it's a hope because there is now a way that we can come home to God. God who loved you all so much that he was willing to send his one and only son, that that son would come and bring peace. Now, you may wish for peace this Christmas between Uncle Ray and Aunt Julie who can't get through dinner without arguing, but there's another type of peace too, a peace between God and all humanity, a peace that comes for those who have placed their trust in him and believe in his son, Jesus Christ. And when we come to that point in our lives, in our hearts, something happens. All of a sudden, because of this hope, that God, because of this love, because of this peace, suddenly our hearts can be filled with incredible joy, exceeding joy. Joy that longs to be expressed. And this isn't something that is just new to us here today. You see, throughout history, when God's people have come together to express the joy in their hearts towards him, they've done so through song. You know, even going back to the time of King David, we find in Psalm 100 that the psalmist wrote these words as a call to the people to sing for joy to the Lord. To sing all the earth. Praise the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful songs. And as we come together here tonight on this Christmas Eve, it is no exception. We have so much reason to stand and to sing with joyful hearts. A joy that is for all people. Because Jesus Christ has come. Jesus Christ has come and he has made a way for you to come home to God. And that is good news for all people.
tonight and going in tomorrow, that it'll be a fantastic time, for a special time of spending those moments with friends and with family and filled with fun as we celebrate the reason for the season, who is Jesus Christ, who has come to bring us home to God. We'd like to remind you before you leave that you can drop your candles off in the baskets at the back as you go. And as you came in, you hopefully received one of those cards or on the back side. It has some examples of how you can perhaps engage in community with us in the new year. And so we encourage you to take a second and have a look at those. And also just want to remind you that every Sunday we meet here at 10 a.m. And you are welcome to join us anytime during the year. And uh, we are so thankful that you came here tonight as well. Additionally and finally... Uh, as you leave, there are some black boxes back there. And for those who consider this to be their church home or for those who are visiting and we wish to make a donation, please feel free to do so. But absolutely understand there is no obligation to do so at all. This is our Christmas gift to you, and we're so glad that you came to join us here today. So on behalf of the leadership and the church family here at West Meadows, may the hope, joy, peace, and love of Christ be at home in your heart this Christmas season. Merry Christmas.